Uh, good evening, everyone. Please do take your seats. Um, and if you have closed your Bible, please do open it back up to Psalm 116 on page 615. Uh, you'll find that useful as we go through this psalm, because um, I kind of refer to quite a few verses in there, so do do that. Um, and also, you'll have the yellow sheet um, in your service sheets, with your service sheets. Um, so that'll be useful as well to follow along with and make any notes um, that you might want to make. Um, shall I just pray uh, before, before we start? Uh, loving Heavenly Father, thank you so much uh, for your word. Thank you that you choose to speak to us um, through your word. Um, we thank you for this psalm and we thank you for the encouragement it, um, it brings to us. And we pray now, Lord God, that as we look at this, you would help us to understand your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, I recently watched the film The Martian. Um, some of you might have uh, seen it. It's quite a good film. Um, the story tells a uh, the film sorry tells a story of an astronaut, Matt Damon, stuck on Mars. Um, his fellow astronauts have had to leave Mars because there was a big storm. And in the storm, Matt Damon's character gets injured as he's running uh, to the spaceship, and his friends they just they just go they just leave him. Um, we see him waking up after the storm. Um, he's injured, but he's alive. And now he's the only living thing on the whole of Mars, which I think is quite a terrifying thought, really, 52 million miles away from Earth. Um, but he manages uh, to work out how to survive. He, he rations the food he has. Um, he manages to create water, uh, even grow potatoes. But, it's true, um, but he's alone. He's, uh, he's to all alone. He's isolated. He's, he's, um, he's unable to call out for help. Um, he must feel just totally dejected. And perhaps never again will he see another human being. Maybe he will die alone on Mars. And throughout the film, we kind of see his struggles um, in trying to communicate uh, with NASA, with Earth, for rescue. Will they hear him? Even if they do hear him, are they able to save him? Do they have the ability? Do they have the resources to save him? Um, sometimes life might make us feel a little bit like Matt Damon. Um, we might feel alone. We might feel isolated. We might feel as though we have no one to turn to for help. Uh, maybe we're the only Christian in our, in our work. Um, we might feel rejected. Maybe someone we love, maybe someone we trust has abandoned us. Um, maybe even that you're going through a difficult job situation or a close relationship just feels loveless. Um, or you're uncertain about your future. Um, we may, even like Matt Damon, at some point we probably will feel um, or be close to death or wearisome about the finality of death. And we need help. Um, the question then is, who do we call out to um, in those circumstances? Our culture offers us a lot of solutions, maybe money, um, maybe relationships, maybe status, maybe experience. But can all those things really save us? Or do we choose to cry out to God? Um, if we do, do, do you think he hears you? Does he choose to hear you? Is he able to rescue you, to deliver you? Well, I think Psalm 116 is a great encouragement um, for you. In fact, it's a, it's a great encouragement for all of us here, even if you're not going through difficult times at the moment. It's a psalm that's full of comfort. It's a psalm that's full of hope. And we don't know who wrote the psalm. And we don't even know what circumstances they were facing, although obviously... Um, they were at some point facing death or close to death. Um, 
So we're going to look at two main themes, and you'll see from your sheets, uh, from the psalm. Firstly, we're going to look how God hears the helpless. Then we're going to look at how God delivers from death. And then we're going to consider um, the psalmist's response. How does he respond? How can he repay God? And how can we repay God? So firstly, God hears the helpless. Um, Why don't you follow along with me, uh, uh, reading from verse 1. I love the Lord, for he heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy. Because he turned his ear to me, I will call on him as long as I live. So the psalm begins by telling us that God has heard from the writer. He heard my voice. He heard my cry for mercy. Uh, Look at verse 2. Not only has he heard me, but he's even turned his ear to hear me. Um, I read in the news a a little while back a story um, of a girl in America. Um, She's an eight-year-old girl. And in her hometown, um, they were having problems with their water supply. So people were drinking it and then getting ill. Um, So she told her mum, she said, Mum, I want to tell President Obama about this so he can come and sort this out. So mum obviously thought this is just ridiculous. Like, um, he's clearly not going to listen to you, you're a little girl. Um, but she let him, uh, sorry, let her write an email to the president anyway. Um, perhaps unsurprisingly, they didn't hear anything back. Until a few weeks later, they got a phone call from an official at the White House. The president had read the girl's email. He wanted to help. In fact, he wanted to know more about it. So he was going to fly out from Washington to his hometown, meet the girl so that she could tell him all about it. It's a great little story, isn't it? And in a similar way, in a similar way, the psalm here is, is saying that God just hasn't heard the writer's cries from afar. He's not just heard the whispers um, of, of his prayer or, or read an email. No, God here has tilted his head towards um, the psalmist. I love the image of, of God kind of bending down, listening to hear from someone who needs his help. God wanted to hear the psalmist's voice. He wanted to hear the psalmist personally. At verse 3, we see why the writer needs help. The cords of death entangled me. The anguish of the grave came upon me. I was overcome by trouble and sorrow. And death is so close to the psalmist, he can, he can feel it in his very being. And it's just picture a hand kind of prized around an object refusing to let it go, as though the the, the finger joints are locked in place. And that's the kind of image that is conveyed here. Death is so tightly holding on to him, and it just isn't letting go. So what's his response? Well, let's carry on. Verse 4. Then I called on the name of the Lord. O Lord, save me. It's quite an emphatic, quite an urgent response, isn't it? Literally means, O Lord, I pray, would you deliver my soul It's actually quite a simple prayer, though, isn't it? And also a comforting prayer for us. I mean, we too can use this prayer to cry out to God. We can say, oh God, save me, deliver my soul. And we can be confident that he will hear us just as he's heard the psalmist. But why? How can we be so sure that God will hear us? Well, Jesus. We know that we have Jesus, one who speaks to God on our behalf, He prays for us, and the Father listens to the Son. And he listens to those who believe and trust in his Son. We've been adopted as children of God. He is our Heavenly Father. 
And so we can approach him too, confident that he will hear our prayers. But does God listen to everybody? Just have a look at verse 6. The Lord protects the simple-hearted. He hears from the simple. We don't need to be really clever. We don't need to have some kind of religious status so that God can hear us. We don't need to say clever theological prayers to God to hear us and and to, to take notice of us. No, God hears from the simple. Um. About four, four years ago, um, I was going through a quite a tough, tough time. I'd probably call it um, a time of suffering, really. Um, so I, I felt kind of uh, a bit lonely, a bit um, isolated and, and rejected. Um, and I remember praying to God. One, it must have been one particular time when I was probably feeling um, overwhelmed just by my circumstances. And I think it was probably a very similar prayer uh, to this one. God, save me. God, deliver me from this. Um, and looking back now, I can absolutely see that God heard that prayer. Um, he was a father to me. He came and he saw me um, through that really difficult time. And so we can have confidence that God hears us. Our second point, God delivers us from death. Have a, um, have a read along with me. Uh, we'll go from verse 5. The Lord is gracious and righteous. Our God is full of compassion. The Lord protects the simple-hearted. When I was in great need, he saved me. What a great description um, of our Lord. He's, he's gracious, he's righteous, he's full of compassion. He protects the simple-hearted. He is a saviour. It seems as though the deliverance has revealed to the psalmist exactly who God is. Um, so I used to, a few, few years back, I was um, scared of flying. In fact, I was terrified of flying. Um, to the point where a week before flight, I would start to get nervous about flying. Okay? Um, the reason being is it's just not natural to be 35,000 feet in the air in a metal tube traveling at 500 miles an hour. Okay? Like, that's, just, that's just not, that's not natural. We shouldn't be doing that. Um, it, wasn't, it wasn't as though I was scared of like, the plane kind of disintegrating or maybe just... Ex- exploding into a, a, a ball of flames. Um, I, knew the, I knew I was going to be okay, but I was just terrified. Um, but what cured me, actually, from my fear of flying is, um, ironically, flying itself. Um, the more I flew, the less I cared about flying. Um, I, always knew, I always knew I'd be safe, but the experience of actually flying told me that, yeah, you, there's nothing to fear here. You are going to be okay. You are going to be safe. Um, it's kind of similar, I think, to the psalmist experience. Perhaps he always knew that God was gracious, righteous, full of compassion. But when he actually experienced it himself through his deliverance, God's character became so much more real for him. Uh, the next few verses tell us how God has responded to the psalmist's cry. Uh, look at verse 8. For you, O Lord, have delivered my soul from death, my eyes from tears, my feet from stumbling. It's, it's a great rescue. It's, it's a really good rescue. So great, in fact, that the psalmist said he should be completely at rest. Verse 7, be at rest once more, O my soul, for the Lord has been good to you. The literal meaning, the, the Lord has been good for you. The Lord has dealt bountifully 
with you. Um, I love this. God, God has dealt so fully, so completely with all the adversaries that the psalmist is facing that he can say that he should be totally at rest. Now, if you're, if you're a follower of Jesus, you can take comfort from, um, from these verses because our Christian experience is also one of rescue and deliverance. So the psalmist here has been saved from physical death, but we have been saved from spiritual death. Let's have a look at some verses here. Verse 5. Through Christ, we experience God's character. We have received God's grace. We have received God's righteousness. We've received God's compassion. So we can say that God is righteous. God is gracious. God is full of compassion. We can say that the Lord has dealt bountifully with us. He has dealt fully with our spiritual adversaries, with sin, with death, with the devil. And so we too can say to our souls, be at rest. Um, Jesus, uh, the, the opening verse that Dan opened um, the service with, uh, Jesus is promising us that rest. Come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. So Christians, we can also say that we've been delivered from death. It's from verse 8. Yes, physical death is still going to come to us. We can't escape it. But we do not need to fear it. Why? Well, because he has delivered us from spiritual death. So we know that physical death has no victory. It isn't the end. In Christ, we have victory over death. Uh, We can say that we've been delivered from tears, from sorrow. Yes, again, we will face sorrows in this, in this life. It's, it's inevitable. But do you remember the promises of God, our Heavenly Father, who said that he himself will wipe away every tear from our eyes? And we can also say that we will not stumble. We won't fall. God holds on to us so that we can say with the psalmist in verse 9 that we will walk before the Lord in the land of the living. Now we know, of course, that the Christian life is, is not an easy one. It's not a, a, an easy life when we follow Christ. Um, just, just look at verse 10 with me over the page. Um, I believed, therefore, or, or a better translation is actually the footnote. I believed even when I said, I am greatly afflicted. The psalmist faces affliction, yet he still believes. And we too will face affliction. But let these promises encourage us to keep believing in God. Let us not forget, though, that this rescue has come at a price. It was very costly for God to give us this rescue. In fact, we can only really say verse 8 with any confidence because of Jesus. And did you notice, actually, when we went through that, that we're saying that we've been delivered from the very things that he went through so that we could be delivered So he faced death, he hung and he died on the cross and he paid the penalty of our sins by dying. Um, He also faced tears for us, he faced sorrow, he faced rejection, he was rejected by his, his, um, his followers. He was also even rejected by his father in heaven. And his feet, they stumbled, Um, he stumbled with the cross on his back as he was led up the mountain to the place where he would be crucified. And so with, uh, with our rescue in mind and with the psalmist's rescue in mind, let's think then, how should we respond? Verse 12, 
how can I repay the Lord for all his goodness, um, all his goodness to me? Now, the truth is really, we can't. Nothing we can do can ever repay God for all the goodness that he's shown um, to us. Uh, just think of a little child. Um, the little child has been given some pocket money um, by his dad. Um, he's so excited to have the catch. He's really grateful to his dad for giving him some money. In fact, he's so grateful, he decides that he's going to use the money to buy his dad a present. But being a child, he doesn't have a clue what, a fa- what his father really wants. So what he does is he ends up getting something that he himself would like. Okay? He gets his dad a pot of gunge, for example. Now his dad doesn't need it. He certainly doesn't want the gunge. Um, and he would have spent his money on something totally different. But what it does is shows the child is grateful for what the father has done for him. And in the same way, we can't repay God for all the goodness that he's shown us. He has all that he needs, but we will want to thank him somehow. So here are three ways um, from the psalm that we might, uh, we might thank God. Uh, we might pray. We might praise and we might proclaim. Let's look at those three um, starting with pray. Um, So the psalmist um, calls on the name of the Lord repeatedly through the psalm. He does it early in the psalm, um, before God saves him, but he also does it later on after God has saved him. Look at verse 13, verse um, 17 even. Um, I will sacrifice a thank offering to you and call on the name of the Lord. Uh, He wants to keep on calling on the name of the Lord for thanksgiving and for continued help. And so for us, if you've never called on the name of the Lord, if you've never asked him for this rescue, this psalm here is encouragement for you to do so. God will hear you. In fact, God longs to hear you, cry out to him. He will rescue you from spiritual death and bring you to a place of rest. So why not cry out to him? Why not ask him for this rescue? And if you have called on the name of the Lord for rescue, keep doing so. Continue to pray to your Heavenly Father. Thank him for the rescue that he's given to you and for all that he has done for you. Secondly, praise. The psalm ends with emphatic praise the Lord. The psalmist's response to God's grace is to offer him praise. We read that in verse 17. And so we too are called to offer a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Do you remember the passage we read, uh, Hannah read for us in, from Romans earlier? In view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. And so we want to offer this life that God has given to us back to him as praise to him for all that he has done. So let us continue to praise God through how we live this life. And that is what it means to follow Christ. Look at verse uh, 16. The psalmist here offers himself as a servant to God. O Lord, truly, I am your servant. Um, I recently heard a story um, of another girl in America, uh, this time from a few hundred years back. She was a slave um, during the American Civil War. Um, And she was on sale at a, a slave auction. Um, and there was a man from the north who decided that he would buy her. So he bought her at this auction. And as they were leaving the auction, he turned around to the little girl and he said to her, you're free. 
she looked at him amazed and said, you mean I'm free to do whatever I want? Yes, the man says. I'm, I'm free to say whatever I want? Yeah, you're free to say whatever you want, the man said. Free to be whatever I want? Yeah, the man said. And free even to go wherever I want? Yes, the man left. You are totally free. Then the girl looked at the man and said, you freed me, so I choose to go with you. God has, God has freed the psalmist. He's freed him from the chains, from, from the grip of death that we read about earlier. And God will free us too. And when he does, we just long to go with him. Our final point then, proclaim. The psalmist wants to know, um, wants others to know why he loves the Lord. Twice he says in the psalm that he's going to make his vows in the presence of all God's people. I suppose even the fact that this psalm is written is kind of a fulfilment of, um, of his proclaiming the good news. It's a, it's a psalm that would have been sung uh, in the congregation of God's people uh, to proclaim and encourage one another in the truth of God's rescue. Um, likewise, we too are to proclaim the good news of our rescue. Ne- our next song, actually, we're going to encourage one another in the truth of our rescue by singing it um, to each other. We're going to sing through the psalm. We're also to proclaim God's rescue to those who um, haven't yet known it. Uh, this is a little bit cheeky, but Psalm 17, the next one, encourages all the nations to praise the Lord. We know that our God is worthy of praise from all people. And so we want to proclaim the message of our rescue to others so that they too may experience God's rescue and then praise him. And so if, if and perhaps when you're feeling um, isolated, when you're feeling rejected, maybe alone, maybe close to death, when you need help, let this psalm, uh, remember this psalm, remember the encouragements um, in it. I pray that you'll find comfort in knowing that God hears you. He longs for you to cry out to him. And be encouraged as well that he can deliver you through spiritual death, through Christ, We are made alive in Christ. Um, Dan said earlier we've got a little kind of change to our program. So what we're actually going to do now is is spend some time in in prayer. Basically, we're going to kind of pray, praise and proclaim God um, all together. We're going to encourage one another by doing that. So what we thought we'd do is is kind of have a time of of open prayer. Um, So if you'd like to praise God... Um, thank him for what he's done, proclaim something about how great he is, um, then please do feel free um, to join in our time of of prayer now. I'll start, so it's not awkward. (laughs) Father, thank you so much that you hear our voice. You long to hear our cries for help. Amen.